Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. It's such a, a great joy to be with you, and I already uh, really love your church and your leaders, so I feel like we're already connected, already friends. We like each other. At least I like you, so let's start with that. Um, I was uh, walking here trying to get here for the marathon course. I was remembering the first time I ever ran a marathon, so you can't tell that now, but I did used to. And, um, and I remember I, ran, I was living in this like, little northern town in Canada, and that's part of the reason why I decided to run a marathon is because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> so I, a friend of mine, we, we both decided we were going to train to run this marathon. And the marathon was in San Diego, California, uh, so it wasn't a hard... You know, it wasn't a hard yes to say yes to San Diego. And uh, it had been sponsored by this company called, like, the Super Gel Company. I literally think it was called Super Gel, the company. And they promised that they had created this gel that you could take halfway through the marathon, and it would, like, you know, ta-da, make you a great runner. And so we couldn't get it where we were. We were that remote. But we were like, when we get there, we're going to rock it with the Super Gel. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's going to change everything. And so we get to this race, and we're like 20 kilometers into this race, and we need the super gel. We can't find the whole time. I haven't seen it anywhere. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, I saw these people standing on the side of the street, you know, like on the side of the course, and they held these like long wooden sticks with these gobs of gel on them. And I was like, it's the super, you know, we were both like, it's the super gel, finally, like we, this is right when we need it. And we, we ran over, and we grabbed these sticks, and then the two of us just went... <laughs> and realized it was Vaseline. <laughs> it's safe to say there was no chafing in our mouth or our digestive system for years to come. So, <laughs> but do, do any of you kind of like buy this a lot that there's some kind of super gel for what you have to do? Like we have this, it's an, an insatiable desire that the answer to what it is that we need is somehow outside of us, right? Like, you know, just, and, and we're sold this a million times a day, probably. I don't even know if I'm exaggerating, but a million times a day that, you know, to get through what you need to get through or to do what it is that you need to do, just this'll work or that'll work. Or even if it's not a product that you're being sold, it's like a relationship you're waiting for. Anyone think the perfect spouse might be the solution? Anyone married long? <laughs> right? Anyone, that it must be the church, the perfect church. There must be a perfect structure. There must be a, you know, this goes on and on. The disciples kind of felt that way too, I think, when they were, you know, they had sort of an image of what it might mean for the kingdom of God to come. You know, they sort of had this kind of idea of like a physical kingdom. They had this idea of like a different political system. They had this idea of an economy. They had this idea of superiority, like they were going to be like in charge. They had kind of this idea when Jesus, you know, they had been through the crucifixion of Jesus then they had been through the resurrection of Jesus. And then you kind of, you, you, they have this conversation with Jesus. It's fascinating in Acts chapter one, verse eight. They have this, or Acts chapter one, they have this conversation with Jesus and the disciples are still going, so like, is this the time when that thing that's gonna happen, that thing outside of us that's gonna make us powerful, that's gonna bring us up, will be the, the top and not the bottom, this thing that actually is gonna overthrow the systems of this world, like, is this the time that's gonna happen, you know? <laughs> like, is, 
is this the super gel? You know, and, and Jesus says to them, like, okay, how am I going to help you understand? I think, actually, this is how every wife talks to their husband when he's looking for the milk, you know. Is it in here? You're like, how am I going to help you understand? You've got to move the things to see the thing behind the thing. Am I alone on this? Right? It's just like, ah. Anyway, Jesus, how am I going to help you understand? And so um, he gives them this promise. It's, it's a very familiar, if you've been around sort of the Christian world for a while, you know this very well. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he gives them this promise. He says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses where you are, where you don't want to go, and then beyond what you can even imagine. I'm going to give you power. Now, I've heard that preach my whole life. Most of the time, that word power there, it's dunamis. It's a, it's a Greek word. It, it, I've heard it, it preached as the root word of dynamite. It's explosive power. And that's pretty much what I've always heard. It's just explosive power. It's strong and big, and it has this, like, capacity to... I think I've heard, you know, it doesn't matter. It's also the root word of dynamic. It's also the root word of dynamic. Which, think about the difference uh, between dynamite and dynamic. It's fascinating. You will receive dynamic, sustainable power. It's not what the disciples maybe were thinking, but it is what Jesus promised. So, so the next chapter, if you keep reading in Acts, you'll find when this power comes. They're in uh, the upper room. They're waiting, like Jesus told them, and they're waiting for the power. And then you're, you're going you're gonna to see how this power comes. But, but before that, I want to I just go all the way back to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, Moses is encountering God. You know Moses. He's pretty famous. Moses, I named my, my youngest son Moses, so I'm a big fan. Um, Moses has literally been raised. So if you know the story of Moses, he's born into an oppressive regime in Egypt. There is a pharaoh who is a tyrant. He's a tyrannical, oppressive, powerful leader. And he's born into that place, and he's kind of miraculously saved. And then he's taken into the center of that power, into the palace. And he's raised in pharaoh's household. So it doesn't get any more sort of centered of power. And and Moses has learned what power is from pharaoh who is the most powerful leader of the known world at that time. He's, he's learned what it is to, to get and to take and to exploit and to oppress and to assert dominance. He's learned what it is to be powerful, the most powerful man in the universe. He's learned that. He's learned that actually that kind of power is oppressive power. That's what that is. That's how you do that. That's how you rule. That's how you reign. That's what worldly power looks like. He's been raised in that. 
It didn't work out. That's a whole other conversation. And now he's like on his second life career as a shepherd in the middle of nowhere. And God comes to him in the form of a burning bush. So he's a shepherd taking care of some sheep. A bush is on fire. Now, I believed my whole life that the miracle of that story was that the, was the fire. I, 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 I just believed my whole life that the miracle of the burning bush was the burning, was the fire. That Moses was like, wow, there's fire miraculously on a bush in the desert. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just thought the fire, and then I actually read the text again. It's fascinating. Because what it actually says is that Moses saw the fire and then he saw that the fire was not burning the bush. The bush was not being consumed by the fire. The bush was not taking the, the, the life out of, the fire was not taking the life out of the bush in order for the fire to burn. In other, the fire had its own dynamic energy. The fire had its own source that was not needing the source of the bush. The, and Moses said, I am seeing a fire on a bush, and the bush is not being consumed by the fire. And he says, what is that? That is literally what he says. He says, what is that? This is a man who has seen every conceivable kind of power, worldly power, but he has never seen this. And he says, what is that? And he goes over to see, what is this power? What is this fire? What is this sign? that has all of the like power without any of the oppression, without any of the taking, without any of the consumption. What is that? <laughs> and God answers him from the bush. This is fun. And he says, this is holy. This is holy. And do you know what holy means? We sing it a lot in church. You know what holy means? Holy literally means we don't know what this is. Holy literally means this is other than everything else we've ever known. Holy literally means this is different from everything else in its category. Holy means we have no category to put this in, so we're just going to go, it's holy. It's different from, it's other than, it's separate from everything else. So God says to Moses, what this is is holy. It is different from, it is separate from, it is completely uncategorical from any other kind of power and any kind of other ruler and any kind of other king you have ever known. This is holy. This is holy. So uh, my friend Gord, he had an encounter with Jesus. He was a, a drug guy and had a lot of violence in his life and a lot of a pain. And he came to, wandered into a service, probably for some food or something. And then he had this powerful encounter with, with King Jesus, with love. He had this, literally, he spent some time on the floor and just like he describes, like just love entered his heart. 
and he knew that he was loved, and then that love just kind of like, you know, went everywhere inside of him and kind of broke up. So just, that doesn't always happen, by the way. <laughs> but God, I wish it would. Amen? But like, it doesn't always, sometimes it's like literally like, it's going to be a 12-step program. You know what I mean? It's going to be like a, a counseling session and then some prayer, and then you're going to like move and warm up into the love of God. But this was a sovereign one. You know, it was a half hour, and Gord was like, Duh! and he got up off the ground, and he's like, I need a Bible. You know, so he gave him a Bible, and and he comes back on Wednesday. That was on a Sunday. He comes to my office and he goes, I need to talk to you. And I said, great, let's talk. And he said, I totally get it. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I read the whole thing. I get the whole thing. <laughs> I said, wow, because I've been studying this thing for a long time, you know. He goes, yeah, I just finished the book of Revelation. It totally makes complete sense. <laughs> and I said, Wow. Please explain it to me. I've only taken a couple of seminary level courses on the book of Revelation. I'm more confused than I've ever been. Like, tell me more. What does Revelation mean? He goes, Danielle, just think about it. <laughs> he goes, just think about it for a second. We're just going to take one peek at Jesus. And we're just going to go, holy, holy. <laughs> then we're just going to take another peek, you know, when we recover. And we're just going to go, holy, holy, you know, and then we're going to take another, we're just going to be like, holy, like, and he goes, and then we're just never going to stop saying like, holy, man, this is different from, like, my mind is like, I'm never going to stop saying holy. And I, I, I said, I think you're right. I think you do get it. I think you do understand it. This, this king, this God, this Christ, this savior is different from. And, and listen to me, we do this. I, I, I mean, I really wish you guys are a worship kind of place. And so here's a challenge for you. I've heard so many songs. He's greater than, he's higher than, he's stronger than. All of that's true, by the way. There is no power like the power of God. There is, I've come to the end of myself a hundred times. There's no super gel. I can't will myself to live a different life. I've tried, trust me, I cannot behavior modification my way into the kingdom of God. It doesn't work. I'm terrible at being good enough. Am I alone? You cannot religious your way into this thing. You cannot, at the end of yourself is the beginning of the kingdom of God. There is a power that is greater. Of course there is, there is a power. Thank God, was it Chris Martin sings it's your higher power? Thank God there's a higher power. His name is Jesus. And at the end of yourself, you'll discover that power. The power is greater than, the power is stronger than, the power is mightier than, the power is great. But also, and equally so, the power of God is as different from as it is greater than any other power. What I want are some more worship songs about that. Our God is higher. Our God is different. Our God is greater. Our God is different. Different from any other power. So Acts chapter 2, we catch up with the disciples. They're waiting for the power, and then it says the power comes. Acts chapter 2, the power comes. You remember what happens? Very familiar. There's a, there's a sound of wind. There's a fire that rests on the head of every disciple. Does that sound familiar from Exodus chapter 3? Do you remember in Exodus chapter 3, when God reveals himself to Moses like that and says, this is holy, and then Moses comes closer, he takes off his shoes, and he says, this is holy, and so he's like, wow, this is holy, and then God says, 
I'm the God who hears the cry of the oppressed. I'm the God who sees the suffering of people who are, that's a different kind of God right there. That's a different kind of king right there. That's a diff, so he's, so here we are, Acts chapter two, fast forward thousands and thousands of years, Jesus has given them this promise for this power, for this kingdom that's coming, for this new kind of king, and they're in their room, and there's all the signs, there's all the like wonders, there's all probably the goosebumps, and then there's the tongues of fire that rests on their head, do you remember? And everybody's a burning bush. Everybody's now a burning bush. And then what do they do? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews. Each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Now, verse 9, I need you to pay attention to this. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, and Judea, and Cappadocia, and Phrygia, and the other thing I can't pronounce, and Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, and visitors from Rome. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what is that? Now, what you might not know if you don't know the history of empires, and particularly the Roman Empire, is the way that an empire works is it centralizes power. It centralizes power. It centralizes language. So what the Romans had done, every single people group that's listed in this uh, passage of scripture has been occupied by Rome. They've been taken over. And one of the first things almost all empires do, but definitely the Roman Empire does when they take over a people is they centralize the economy so they get all the wealth and they centralize the language so they control the narrative. I remember years ago going to the uh, Ukraine after the Soviet Union had first collapsed. And now, of course, they're in the middle of all that again. But I remember going there, and um, I, I had a Russian translator, and they were so insulted because they refused to speak Russian. Even though they had all been educated in Russian. Why was it so offensive? I was like, this doesn't even make any sense. You all speak Russian. And they said, we all speak Russian because we had to, because we were forced to, because that's what empires do. That's how worldly power works. It takes, it oppresses, it dominates. The first sign of the power of God is to decentralize power. Who had, the, who had the bush, who had the burning fire on their head? All of them. Every single one of them, not Peter. And then he's like, by the power vested in me, I tell you, you're allowed to do that. The very first sign of the power of God is the decentralization of it. Everybody gets it. Everybody gets it. That's a different kind of power. 
The second sign of the power of God in Acts chapter 2 is, is the decentralization of language. Now, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but like I, I literally, I heard that the reason Jesus came when Jesus came, when I was growing up, was that, the, that Rome had centralized the language so it would be easier for the gospel to get out. Did anybody ever hear that? I don't, maybe it's just me, but I had been taught that one of the great reasons the church was kind of effective in, during the Roman Empire was because, you know, there was one language that everybody spoke, and so they could just, like, disseminate the gospel. And then I read Acts, and I said, how, like, ineffective of God. I mean, wouldn't it make more sense, Holy Spirit, to use the language of the empire to give the good news to the known world? I guess if you were a king in a worldly empire, that might have made some sense. But if you're, if you're holy, if you're a power not only greater than, but completely different from any other power anybody has ever seen, you will never use the language of empire. You will never use a language that controls. You will never use a language that discourages uh, people or disparages people or pushes their identity down. What is the first sign of the Holy Spirit is the decentralization of power and the affirmation of people's heart language. Wow. These people weren't going like, oh, that's interesting. These guys shouldn't be able to speak our language. These people were going, what is that? By the way, it would have been completely illegal. They were putting themselves at risk in an empire that said, don't do that. I mean, we can hear this echoes of this in Iran right now. When a, I, I watched the news broadcaster who, when women were told they couldn't go to university anymore, on air, ripped up his diplomas from the university. What is that? If it's not a solidarity, if it's not an expression of love. What is it in Afghanistan right now? I know a woman named Asanta Charles, she's the director of World Vision there, who said to the Taliban, we refuse to operate schools if girls can't come. What is that? What is that? My friend uh, Marwa comes from Sudan, and she really suffered because she was born a girl, really. And she fled for refuge. In many spots around the world finally landed in Canada, where I live. Uh, and we have a little home group on Sundays. So it's mediocre food, but lots of uh, warm welcomes. And, um, <laughs> and she ended up coming. She ended up finding our community through the food bank at our church, and she, she joined this community, and we just, like, try hard to love. It's very ordinary. Weeks into this, she kept coming, she kept coming, she kept coming, and we're doing the dishes together in my kitchen, and she said to me, what is this? And I was like, this is the dish. She said, no, not this. What is this? 
Uh, she explained to me she was Muslim. I didn't know. I didn't really care. Because when I saw her, I remember when I saw her. She was beautiful. She was valuable. She was a gift. She was a friend. She was someone that God loved. She was someone I could love. She was part of our little misfitted home group. When she asked me, what is this? You're never going to guess what I told her. I said, this is holy. This is holy. You can read the rest of Acts. It's fascinating. Because this power of God. By the way, in the promise of Jesus is said, you're going to receive power to be my witnesses. That word actually means martyr. (laughs) I think we translate it witnesses because we like that verse better. You're going to receive power, dynamic, sustainable energy to lay your life down for others. To demonstrate the holy love of God. To show what the power that is different from any other kind of power looks like. Anyone need some of that? I've traveled for years with indigenous sisters of mine who have suffered, who have suffered. Uh, My friend Tannis, her parents went to, her grandparents went to a residential school. In Canada, the, the, the country said, we're in charge of you now. And the church and the state got together. And they said, because you're all pagans, you are forbidden from speaking your language. You are forbidden from practicing your beliefs. And you will come to these schools. And if they even spoke, even to one another, in their own tribal language, they would be punished, beaten, put in solitary confinement as children. One of the things my friend Tannis did when she encountered Jesus was learn her own language. And one of the first phrases she learned (laughs) is, God loves me. God loves me. Is this the time, Jesus, when your kingdom comes, when your will is done on earth as it is in heaven, is this the time we've been waiting for? Is this the thing we've been hoping for? Is this the time when a generation will come out of anxiety and depression and fear? Is this a time where the nations will stop raging? Is this the time where violence will be thrown down and peace will come to the nations? Is this the time? And Jesus says, you're going to receive power. 
you're going to receive power to be my witnesses. Where you are, where you don't want to go, and where you can't even imagine. I want to live a life where people look at it and say, what is that? So Marwa, she literally, just this week, we started building a tiny house in the backyard of a, a Christian couple who are making spaces in their own backyard for people who are struggling with uh, houselessness because of an affordability housing crisis. The, the, they're a young Christian couple, and they put up their hands because they said, we want to live different. We want to live different. We feel God empowering us to lay down the rights of our backyard, the nuclear idolatry of our own family. We feel the spirit of Jesus upon us to say, God puts the lonely in family. We want to show our neighbors what it means to be filled with the power of God. And you know, they're just hammering it together. You can see it on my social media. They're building it. She's building it with us. It's so beautiful. And already construction companies, neighbors, you know, politicians are coming and they're asking us. Guess what they're asking us? What is this? What is this? This is holy. This is holy. Let's pray. God, I, I just confess in this place that I am much more familiar with a power that uh, dominates. I'm so much more familiar with even desiring a power that controls, a power over. Oh. I confess in this place that I, I, I dream about super gel power that could somehow come through status or wealth or products or will or self. I just confess my addiction to worldly power. And I pray by your Holy Spirit, you would liberate me. You would free me from even the desire that your love would flow in and free me from the power of self, from the power of sin. Thank you that you are as different from as you are greater than any other power.
And just take a minute now, just quiet your heart, maybe close your eyes, just try to create some space where you maybe could open to this power. I feel like there might be some people here who have finally gotten to the end of themselves, which is such a relief. That you're at the place where you've tried all the things and you just can't find the power you need. The power that you need is right here. It's Jesus. It's love. It's grace. It's forgiveness. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He speaks your language. And if that's you, I want to assure you, you're in good company. The power that you so desperately need to live differently in this world is not going to come from outside of you. It's going to come from within you by the Holy Spirit. It's not going to come from a religious system. It's not going to come from right beliefs. It's going to come from the power of the Holy Spirit pouring love inside of your heart. And what I'd love for you to do if you're at that place in your life of I've tried all the other things, is open to a different kind of power. Maybe even just where you are, you just say, God, please, come in. When uh, John the Baptist was in prison, he was waiting for Jesus to <laughs> overthrow King Herod. <clears throat> I'm sure. He was waiting for the Messiah to storm the forts of the castle prison and liberate the prophet to demonstrate the sovereign power of God. But Jesus didn't. So John sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one? And Jesus said, tell John the Baptist what you see. The blind can see. 
the deaf can hear. The prisoners are freed. The poor have heard some good news. It's a different kind of power. Who needs it? Who needs it? We're going to worship. We're going to pray. And this is what we're going to pray for. That God, by his Holy Spirit, would decentralize power, would release power, that when people come and say, <laughs> is the kingdom here? We would say, tell everybody what you see. Tell everybody what you see. Because here he is. Here he is. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at Gastric Church.